0: Xbox
1: on. Game on, baby. Wow! Don't make a girl promise you can't keep it. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome to the Party Chat Podcast, the official podcast of the Xbox One subreddit. I'm your host Ross Miller, and I'm joined by everyone's favourite uncle. It's Uncle Jesse. Hello, how are you
2: guys? Yeah,
1: not bad, not bad at all. A lord and savoury snack. It's delicious. Cheese.
2: It is. What's doing? What? What's doing? <laughs> People still say that. That's that's very Australian thing to say. Is it? Yeah. At least it was, like, ten years ago, last time I was in the country.
1: <laughs> yeah, so let's okay. all make comments that are like ten years old. <laughs> why, why, why not? Uh, hey, Karina, what's up?
3: <laughs> what's up? <laughs> uh, what's up? <laughs> uh,
1: now, later on, we have an interview with Rafael from Bloober Creators of Observer, which came out on Xbox One a couple of weeks ago now, and no... We've all been playing it, so you get that to look forward to a little bit later on. (laughs) Well, anyway, we usually start this podcast with what we have been playing. So, Karina, I'm going to start with you. What have you been playing this week?
3: I have been playing Slam Rancher again. Um, I think it seems to be a streaming favourite, and it's very relaxing, so I got playing that again. And I also give Destiny 1 a, re- a quick replay uh, in preparation for Destiny 2, which I can tell you now it will be the same answer for several weeks on end of what I've been playing will be Destiny. You're when that really comes great, out.
2: That you're
3: bossing so the excited. podcast
2: for like it's... four weeks. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm so excited for
2: it. I, I mean... You you are really serious about Destiny, like like you know, Destiny's come out better play through Destiny One again just just to be just to be ready,
3: be prepared.
1: If you played through the vanilla storyline of Destiny One, you could probably get through it in about what
2: fifteen minutes, something like that. Yeah, yeah
3: from the original, yeah, yeah. it's, it's it. more all the um, expansion packs that I was gonna do a twenty. Well, I say twenty four hours is basically gonna be a stream till I fall asleep. Ah, one of but, those. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, I have to do a midnight launch, so I basically work until 1am, and then I don't get home till 2, and then I'm going to start playing it.
1: Okay, oh, Lord, nice. Not that I actually wanted to do this, okay, but just to annoy you, I'm going to start oh. playing Destiny 2 at midnight. <laughs> oh, do not
3: you know what's the worst, though? I have to watch people play it at work, and I can't do anything about it. Oh. So it's actually technically probably going to be spoiled for me within, like, the first hour. So I'm just like, ah. Oh, so I'm just gonna have to like avoid everything whilst trying to sell are, people. Are there
0: really spoilers in that game though? Come on, then. isn't that just about loot and and grinding and guns and attachments? <laughs> it's more weapons. Shooting. There
3: are. Everyone's excited for the weapons. case caves, lot <laughs> <laughs> <Little> of caves.
2: Ah, uh,
3: <laughs> uh, loot farming. So we
2: go.
1: So now that we know what Keira is not going to be playing on launch day, Reese, what have you been playing this week?
2: I have only had the time to play one game and that is Observer. I, uh, but I finished it. it took me about, say, eight to ten hours. So. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I actually missed oh, quite nice. a bit. Nice. I missed oh. an entire story, like plotline, which really annoys me now because I, I didn't realize about it until I checked the achievements at the end. Uh, it also has how, it has multiple endings, so I, I'd love to know what endings you guys end up with when you reach the end. How, how many? Uh, how how far along achievement wise
0: are you? Percentage ish? Are you at like five hundred? Achievos?
2: I, I think 400? I'm about five hundred and something. There's a lot, a lot of collectible achievements and like, you know, one for beating all the spider mini games and stuff like yes. that. And yeah, I, cause you know, you need to find all the computers to beat all the spider levels. And I didn't find all the computers because I missed like a whole plot line. Um, hmm. so yeah, I, I, I wasn't good enough at detecting basically. Um, Did, so, didn't
0: knock on enough doors. I, yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, and I won't spoil it for anyone, but, uh, yeah, basically I, I didn't find the right person, and the right door to go to at the right time, and that's that's what you get. I wasn't observing well enough, apparently. So <laughs> I, uh, that's all I played, but I finished it, which is something that I don't do to a lot of games uh, anymore. But it, w- it was it was it was finished, so good, highly highly recommended. Clay, what about you? I was also playing a little bit of the
0: Observer, but I, I actually spent a lot of time, not a lot of time, but a good amount of time playing Trials Fusion and having an absolute blast with that game. I, that's actually the first Trials game that I've ever played and am just amazed at the, like the ragdoll physics of this game. It's, it's so simple, but at the same time, extremely complicated (laughs) and i love the fact that they have that sort of ghost effect that kind of the forza series has where as you're racing you see your friends that you're racing or even yourself as you're racing and it just makes me want to continually go over the same track over and over again to try and beat all of your times did you
2: beat any of our times oh yeah
0: For sure. On the first, I'm only up through the second, the second course, I think. Not the second course you know, there's like a set of things, uh, a set of maps. The first one, the first one, the first set, I not on all of them, but on a lot of them, I think I've beaten most of your times. That's that's in your face. We all have the game. I would say let's for next week's show, we should pick a map and see who can get the best. Best course time by the end of that, by by next week's recording.
1: Well, I would have oh, point okay. out, a few weeks ago, I suggested this very challenge and opened it up to the listeners. And one of our listeners, Trifos Dark, who tweets us quite often, came back and said, Haha, Ross, I bet your time on this level. Less than 24 hours later, I'd already overtaken him on it. So, sorry about that. Your record is <laughs> hey, ruined. It-
2: <laughs> it's no Turbo Tunnel Challenge, though, with Karina staying up to like 3, 2, 4 a.m. <laughs> I know, Karina,
1: I can't believe you sat up all night to just beat that time.
3: This is why you don't give me challenges, because I, I just have to beat them.
2: The worst part is I did that in five minutes and was like, ah, psych ah, it, Ross, and went to bed. I didn't even think about it. And you were just like, no, <laughs> no.
3: want to beat this.
2: <laughs> well,
1: for me, I have also been playing Observer. I'm not putting greater than symbols in front of it and things like that. But I am not too far into it. I've only done maybe another hour, two hours um, from from where I was last week, but man, what an atmosphere that game creates! I struggle to play it in long bursts because of that atmosphere. I get so quite stressful. anxious. It is so so stressful at moments. Again, it's a type of game. That if you go into any detail whatsoever, and um, you could spoil it for others, but wow, I did not expect this. I loved layers of fear. I recently <laughs> watched my friend Bob re-stream. Where's the fear? But when I pick up Observer, I'm just so immersed in that game. And I can't wait for other people to get their hands on it. You know, the rules that have played it. Get your thoughts. And, of course, we'll, we'll hear one of the developers' thoughts a little bit later on in the interview. But, yeah, it's been a good week of gaming for a lot of us. Apart from Karina Quirley. <laughs> <laughs> Slam Rancher's good. Slime Rancher is good. Slime Rancher is good. But will we find out what's been happening in the subreddit this week?
4: yeah
3: you're listening to xbox one party chat podcast this week in the subreddit so
1: first story this week is as per usual we just miss out in the games with gold before we released last week
0: (laughs) (laughs) and it always creeps up i feel at least for me it always creeps up and i'm like god Damn it! <laughs> we always forget, it's on the 24th of every month, correct? It's like the 24th of
1: every month? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, about, about that time anyway, yeah. But this month is I, what I consider to be an absolute belter. A uh, belter? From, what? A belter. A great month. That's what that means in Scottish, if you really want <gasps> to know. A belter. Uh, on Xbox One, between September 1st and the 30th, we have Forza and between the 16th to October 15th it is Oxen 3 oh yes and meanwhile <laughs> on the Xbox 360 we have uh, Hydro Thunder Hurricane between September 1st to the 15th and Battlefield 3 between September 16th to the 30th now one thing i'm noticing with exception to forza 4 is that the forza games all seem to go on games with gold now just before the licenses run out for them so <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> so in about a year and a half time we're going to get forza 6 But this looks <laughs> mm-hmm. but guys this is a great one isn't it you know Karina just mentioned she likes the look of oxen free why does that appeal to you Karina?
3: i don't I don't know why it just looks really um good but it's not a game I've ever really heard of before, so i would be interested just to try it to see what it's like and then see if I do or don't like it but uh forza I am just not great with cars i I hit more trees than I do driving uh-huh so for forza's not one that I probably look at uh and battlefield it's not it's fun I think battlefield's fun but um other than destiny like shooters just don't end well for me either get out of here. I'm, I'm sorry. Right now. Wait, wait, I'm so sorry.
2: Overwatch is that is that definitely gonna end? Wait, no, no, Overwatch definitely doesn't end well for you. I remember when you tried to get ranked.
3: Uh yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: we don't talk we don't about stuff bit. <laughs> the
3: embarrassment.
1: What's, what about sorry? you? What's, what's your pick for this month? What are you looking well, forward to
2: playing? <laughs> see, there's only one game on this list I don't own. <laughs> but that and that's Oxen Free. But uh it's always been on my short list to buy. Uh, because everybody I know who is in the know has said nothing but good things about oxen free it 's supposed to be i don 't want to call it a horror game but like a, a an, an atmospheric mystery story based kind of game i haven 't played it so i don 't know i 'm just going based on what people are saying it 's one of those games no one will talk about for fear of spoilers Good has anyone here played it before nope. i 've started it
1: i Don't know why I never continued, but I got it with um, I got it on PC. Actually, it was part of a humble bundle once, and I started it. Was really looking forward to playing it, and then I never picked it back up. So I, I do that a lot with PC games, if I'm honest with you, because I tend to game on my PC when I'm traveling. And so I'm actually looking forward for this to come on Xbox One, just so I can really give it a fair shot and give it my opinion on it but yeah out of all the games there, that is easily my my top pick as well would be beoxen Three. clay i
0: would say forza 5 even though i already own it and battlefield 3 even though i already own it <laughs> um, uh, forza 5 i ended up getting for free it was one of the og games it was one of the initial games that came out with the the xbox one and there was actually a faulty drive issue with my xbox one that i my day one edition that i ended up getting and ended up sending it in and as a uh, sort of a a, not a reward but a reimbursement for my time they gave me fours of five which was nice i just never got around to playing it that much and then battlefield 3 I was funny, I was chatting with a bunch of people on this this actual posting, I was like, man, I can't wait to jump back into Battlefield 3, I love Battlefield, this is, I wish they'd go back to the, you know, the modern day time setting, there's so much crazy stuff that can happen in this, and and then I realized I already have this because of EA Access, <laughs> I just haven't oh. bothered installing it I was like, wait a minute, it's been on EA Access for what, a year now? And I just <laughs> didn't didn't cross my mind uh, to boot it back up and, and play it again. But the multiplayer in that is just ridiculous for anybody that hasn't played it already. It should be a lot of fun to jump back in there once this once this game drops.
2: The multiplayer in Battlefield Three is probably my most played game of all time. Uh, multiplayer like, well. For like hours spent.
1: Wait, rush on the map in Paris.
2: Pfft, That's rush. all I remember. Oh man, rush no rush. <laughs> Try you scrub like <Play> conquest. <laughs>
1: Conquest, conquest,
2: conquest is battlefield. Everything else is just scrub city. <laughs> so, <laughs> what I'm
1: really, really disappointed at is no one here is hyping up Hydro Thunder Hurricane.
0: Hydro! thunder that's how i imagine the game something <laughs> <laughs> i like how you got
1: bored of that after your <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, don't. laughs> yeah, like, nah,
2: you're you gonna drop in japan uh, doing that that's basically how every <laughs> video game and everything opens up some guy <laughs> just shouting like that they need a loud american
0: let me know
1: yeah. From- <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that is a good point to move us on to the next story. So, Reese, would you like to do the next story?
2: I would. The Scorpio is basically selling like hotcakes. We have had numerous threads, and I mean numerous <laughs> threads uh on the topic. Basically, every single news outlet out there has made at least two or or five or 20 topics about it. Bestseller on Amazon. It's the fastest selling Xbox anything pre-order ever. Uh, And apparently Aaron Greenberg is quoted as having said that Microsoft expected the Xbox One X Scorpio Edition inventory to last a whole week. But it didn't even last a day. Guys, what what are your thoughts on this? Because so many people were not sure if this was going to sell.
3: Guess what I did today?
2: You you pre ordered? I did. Nice. Oh. Well, because, and, uh, I don't you know, know if
3: I'm getting it though, but yeah, but I pre ordered.
2: The Scorpio edition or just regular?
3: No, Scorpio edition. I'm only sure in Birmingham they had they got some in this morning, so I was like, right, I want one?
2: Oh, I guess. I'm so mad! I, I missed my chance. Oh. I can get a regular one, so it's okay. It just won't be fancy and, you know, green. <laughs>
1: See, I'm all about the regular edition of the Scorpio edition now, and for one reason and one reason alone. And it was a, a picture that someone posted, I believe it was in a subreddit, and I am pro keeping your sticker on that console. Oh. Okay. Ah. Oh. Uh-uh.
3: My, team, no my, I am team,
1: team No Sticker. I am Team No Sticker for life. All the way. My What's wrong with you, man? My is still on my day one console.
0: Yes. What's wrong with you? You were those people. Oh. Yep. Right there with you. Right and there with
1: you. And oh. if you have a Scorpio edition, the sticker covers the Scorpio logo. <gasps> yeah, but well, I guess you, oh,
3: you take it on. off anyway. Yeah.
2: Aww. You, you walk, it around, walk around the house in clothing. With, like, it has, still has the... This, the, the the brand labels? logo label on it from the store or what? No,
1: no, I did buy a pair of shoes a couple of weeks ago and forgot to take the sticker off the bottom. <laughs> 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 and someone pointed it out for me, but yeah, maybe that's the one exception. But no, I, I like it because Josh Stein hates us pull stickers, <laughs> and that is a that's sole reason. That's Josh Stein
2: is my boy, <laughs> and he knows what's up, <laughs> Mister Stein. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i I will I will have to
0: post some pictures then of my day one Xbox One with the sticker, and then once I get my Scorpio, I will still post another picture with the sticker still intact.
2: Did you guys see that uh Josh was like doing drive-bys of all the Scorpio demo units and peeling the stickers off them and <laughs> 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 we were like ha suck it. <laughs> <laughs> Karina,
1: you've pre ordered. Clay, you've pre ordered. Reese, you and me aren't quite there yet.
2: No, well, see, for me it was like I I want to get the Scorpio edition and because I couldn't, but I don't really I don't really need to. I mean it's Finland, so there's like four people up here who buy Xboxes, so I can just stroll in on release day and get one. It's quite lucky. I want better than what it is over here, to be honest. Yeah. But oh. I, I, mean, I turned up on launch day and picked up a switch. Finland is, you know, serious playstation territory and if not playstation then like hardcore pc gaming uh xbox is really the minority and nintendo is basically non-existent The the nintendo games here basically hold their full resale value for years like i can buy a nintendo game and like resell it and lose maybe 10 euros to gamestop after like two years it's great but guys did any of you expect the sales to
1: be so many no.
0: I wasn't expecting that, to be honest. I, uh, I, I really why thought... Why this that
2: happened? I, I mean, think I, about it. I don't know. The whole time, you know, even even uh Phil himself was downplaying, like, you know, guys, this is going to be an enthusiast machine for the hardcore gamer... And it's gonna cost a lot of money. You know, it's gonna be priced accordingly, I believe was his exact quote, you know. So and then Microsoft came out, you know, four hundred and nine dollars and everyone was like, Oh ugh, no one's gonna buy that four hundred and nine dollar too expensive, meow, meow, meow. But boom, sold every single one, like in less than twenty-four hours. Like wow. It's an exciting time
1: and it's gonna be interesting to know. I can never really tell sales until I see all my friends buying it, until I know how many of my friends have ordered it, and that's how I can judge console state sales. You know, and, and this is for me, so, so exciting. It's like, we have played number two for this entire generation, and I've always said it's a very privileged time that we can all have more than one console. In fact, we're buying a new generation of the same console that we already own, which is higher spec. It's amazing. But this is not what I expected at all. I'm hearing my friends pre-ordering it. I'm hearing people that I just wouldn't have expected to be going on the Xbox bandwagon to, like, have a day one pre-order. This is beyond expectation, and I cannot wait until release day to see all those happy faces. Cannot yeah, I cannot wait at
2: all. I think it's because people love gadgets, and, like, the Xbox it's One true. X is, like, a serious gadget like you know it's it's the most powerful console ever it makes the other it makes the competition look like you know tamagotchis in in essence you know it's it's like at least according to the marketing so it's like For the average consumer who has a bit of disposable income and, you know, just finished buying their iPhone 54 or whatever, then this new thing comes along like, yeah, I want one. I don't care what it does, but the the advertising tells me it's the best and I want to try it out. I'm really interested in seeing
0: if come next year, this time frame, will there be an Xbox One XS? Will it go the same route as, you know. I don't know. Every it's, it's so really be it.
2: tiny. How can it I, be smaller? I, know.
0: I don't know. But maybe more power every. Is there going to be a new iteration every year, like with cell phones? I mean, cell phones. My cell yeah. phone. If I were to go out and buy my cell phone without a contract, is more expensive <laughs>
2: than the Xbox. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting locked into a contract. My my the, phone is like 800 bucks. I have the the Galaxy S8 Edge. It's incredible. Your expensive? Windows phone. I uh, I didn't tell you. No. He I died. Oh. Uh,
1: you and Jez yeah. Gordon?
2: are like the only people like yeah. that. Jez hasn't been <laughs>
1: back. Jez hasn't yeah. been back on the podcast since we see his Windows Phone dies. I
2: think Jez has disowned <laughs> me. Well, I mean, I would have bought another one, but they don't exist anymore. <laughs> so I was, I had to buy uh, either a Samsung or an iPhone, and I bought the Samsung. But yeah, so basically back on topic, it, it's true what you say, you know, people buy these new phones every year. And I think that this gradual updating of the technology, you know, iterations, as you said, without losing all of your old stuff is the way forward, because it already happens on phones. It already happens on computers. You know, it, it It even, you can even transfer the data from your microwave, you know, it's <laughs> it, it, the fact that consoles, like, reset every four or five years is actually really backwards.
3: Yeah. Do you like, reckon so they'll that, bring out co- more designs?
2: They
1: will so 100% d- bring out more designs.
3: Yeah, like, more colours and whatnot, but, oh yeah. you know, I reckon they'll do that instead next year. I don't think mm. they'll be in, like, XS yet. No,
1: maybe not yet, no. So, you've mentioned about phones and contracts. So, if this went down this route that you could enter into a contract and pay... Yeah. 20, 30 bucks a month, and in two years' time, you can upgrade to the latest version of that console. Is that something you would do? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe pull okay, an yeah, Xbox Live and sold. Games Pass. Ross, or? you might get
0: locked in. You might get locked into like a, a, a. It might be something like here in the states. I don't know how it is overseas, but it, it, you get locked into AT and T or Verizon or Sprint or one of these larger You're not companies. To do so I'm that here. I'm wondering if you get locked in to like Amazon or a Best Buy or GameStop or one of these other retailers, a Walmart, that you'd get locked into that contract with. And then it's kind of like, all right, if you're going to buy games, you're buying games through us because you bought the console. That
2: sucks. See, unlike America, we actually have some consumer rights in Europe. So you can't, (laughs) they can't lock you into contracts like that. Oh, in the UK, it's exactly the same. Like we're we're locked to a network. Since when is the UK Europe? <laughs> very true. <laughs> very true. <laughs> Brexit, never forget. <laughs> hashtag. Well, we want
1: to know your thoughts. Would you enter into a contract to get a new version of your console every couple of years if you were to pay a monthly amount? Let us know on Twitter or in the Reddit comments below this post. But anyway, I think this is a good time to move on to our interview. So take it away, Reese.
3: Xbox Snap this
2: week's interview. Okay, everybody, welcome back. As promised, we are here with this week's interview, and we have a really, really cool guest this week. We have Rafael Basai from Bloober Team, developers of both Layers of Fear and Observer. Rafael, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hello
4: guys. It's very nice to be with you here.
2: Oh, it's, it's fantastic. The honor is all ours. So how's about we basically get this show on the road? And why don't we start off with you telling us, you know, who you are and what exactly it is that you do for Bluber team.
4: So yeah, uh, I'm the brand manager for the company. So I took care of uh, both yarn marketing, talking to people, doing interviews, but also, you know, managing the whole brand. So. I need to know basically everything about it and I had a you know one or two fingers in the production as well so you know like I- I'm I'm doing everything <laughs> uh, now in all seriousness uh, I'm really close to the to the guys from the production so I can answer basically most of your questions hopefully awesome. That's that's exciting to hear. I mean, I was
0: wondering, could you tell us uh, in the audience a little bit about uh, Bloober and then how how you guys all got started? And I mean, there's one thing, big thing I want to know is how how is it that most of these horror game developers have such funny
4: names? <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> there's no, nothing scary about Bloober. <laughs> Basically, the company uh, was established in 2008, so you know it's not a, a you know recent debut that we had uh we've been working for work for hire projects for a while and you know earn some money gain some experience um and you know we always wanted to do horror games like from the very beginning from the get-go however uh we like basically we didn't have the resources to do that so as time passed by and you know we we able to start doing our own projects. We were, you know, from time to time trying to do something of our own. And at one point we decided to to do just what we always wanted, which is, you know, a full-fledged horror game. So that's when Layers of Fear came. And like, we were pretty sure back at the moment, like when we were releasing the games, basically what we uh, what we are good at and what we really want to do in the company. So after this successful Players of Fears, like, our egos kind of went up. <laughs> nice. So, you know, we knew that we did something that people really enjoyed. And it wasn't, you know, uh, every other horror on the market at the time. So it wasn't a survival horror game. It wasn't focused on action. It was, you know, more about the atmosphere, the mood. And that's something that we want to do. Like, when you think about the film industry, like, horror is... a it's such a huge and robust term covering all kinds of these subgenres, including, you know, slashers, gore, um, psychological. So there's a lot of variety, which, uh, we kind of felt, uh, is not present. It is basically absent, uh, from the video game industry right now. Like most of the horrors, uh, those mainstream horrors, at least were either uh, focuses on action, like killing hundreds of zombies or whatnot. Uh, or we're focused on, you know, uh, running from unkillable enemies. So that's what we wanted to avoid. We wanted to tackle different, different subjects, be, you know, more psychological in nature, focus on the experience and the atmosphere and the mood. And that's what we want to do in the company. So if you played Observer, you probably felt the same things. The game is not action oriented and it focuses. Mostly on the atmosphere, on the experience from, you know, delving into this world, very dark and gritty world that we have developed for you guys. Um, and that's what we want to do in the company, like psychological horror all the way.
2: You guys just released your newest game, obviously, which is Observer, or more accurately, greater than Observer underscore, uh, to to what has been... uh basically critical acclaim. Uh, I think GameSpot gave you 9 out of 10. You got, like, really high scores basically everywhere. So uh, congratulations, first of all. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. And uh, second of all, for those who are familiar, or rather who are unfamiliar, could you, you know, maybe... Basically, just quickly describe the game for us in your own words, like I know you were just saying that it's a horror game, but but you know can you can you describe it a bit more in depth?
4: Sure, observer uh, as I told, it's a psychological horror game that we've set in this you know very dark and gritty cyberpunk world, and again we actually placed the game in Krakow Poland, which is our you know hometown, so we kind of knew the environment, we knew the history of the city. And like when we're, uh, before I delve into the details, uh, a short description. So you play um, as Daniel Lazarski, who is a neural detective uh, that has the ability, basically he has a device that enables him to hack into other people's minds and memories. So the game starts when you're a strange son with whom you lost contact years ago. Calls you, asks for your help. Um, so you basically respond to that. You go to this old tenement building in uh, a slum district. And once you enter it, like all kinds of weird things start to happen. And, you know, you have a mystery on your hand. Like you um, see a, a body that might or might not be your son. So we have to figure out what has happened. Uh, you know who's the killer like what's going on how your son ties into all of that. So it's a, a really you know full-fledged mystery going on that you have to unravel and you have to you know do your detective work basically scan the environment look for clues that with tenants find evidence but at the end of it all like the 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 most important moments in the game are where you literally go into someone else's head. It's a really cool concept that you guys have there. That's for sure. Yeah. Right? It's a
0: really cool concept. And I was going to say, I mean, how on earth did you guys come up with the idea of mixing horror and cyberpunk? I mean, as far as I can recall, I don't re- can I can't think of immediately any any other game that has mixed those, those two genres together. Um, So, I mean, we'd love to hear some of the background on what brought you guys to the horror cyber cyberpunk realm.
4: After layers of fear, um, we're thinking about changing the environment a little, a little bit, you know, doing something uh, completely in a different setting that we can show some of the skills of our artists that are, extremely good (laughs) you know self-promoable but seriously those guys are really great in what they do um so uh when we were finishing up layers of fear it it was a time when we are already closing the early access so we were starting you know thinking slowly about the next projects um our main writer uh you know was meant to make a, a few drafts of of future projects and see whether anything clicks. And we're discussing, you know, all those different possibilities where we can set the game. And he came with a, with an idea, you know, with this cyberpunk setting, like, let's do a cyberpunk horror game. And like, that was it. Like the company. <laughs> oh, it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> let's do this. Great. <laughs> it was really, it was really easy. There was like, there's a, a really huge group of fans of cyberpunk in the company. And obviously everyone loves horror. So, you know, it was always about more about, you know, thinking about how to, uh, make, make the horror go into the cyberpunk universe. So that was, you know, the tricky part, how we can present horror, you know, something that's, um, fantastic in nature, at least mostly, most commonly referred to as something fantastic, uh, in this very dark and gritty, you know, cyberpunk future. So what we actually figured out was basically first and foremost the, um, the brain hacking mechanic. Like it was the best thing that we could think of, uh, to present horror, like go into someone else's mind, which is creepy yeah. on its own. Like I bet every one of you had a moment that you were scared of what you were thinking at that, uh, at some particular moment. And you were going like, I... whoa, was it me that I thought of it? <laughs> So, you know, that, that was the, the first point. The second point was, uh, we didn't want to do a typical cyberpunk setting. Like, we wanted to do something of our own. So we, you know, took this, um, Hollywood, American, uh, movies, you know, um, Blade Runner, Johnny Mnemonic, and, you know, Barb, uh, Barb Wire even, um, and you know we, yes that one <laughs> so you know we we're going through this cyberpunk things looking you know how the world was built in all of them of course uh we've read uh you know william gibson books we've read philip kate books uh philip k Dick books um then we went to referrals from asia like from japan most prominently like the 90s are so such a boom in uh, in Japanese cyberpunk series uh, and movies, you know, Ghost in the Shell, Akira, and tons and tons of other cyberpunk animes. So when we, you know, um, had the vision how, uh, how the American cyberpunk looked like and, you know, how Asian cyberpunk looked like, then we started thinking about how we can set a cyberpunk game in our own culture, like Central European culture. And what we did is basically... We started thinking about how would cyberpunk look like through the eyes of someone living in the 80s and the beginning of the 90s where, you know, the best cyberpunk uh, movies and series and books actually came out. And that was our focal point, that which we used to develop the game. And we added, uh, you know, a lot of uh, Polish pop culture, Polish uh even the core and what was happening in our country in the late 80s, in the beginning of the 90s. So, you know, just from this um, Soviet era to, to be a completely free country. Um, so it was very, all was very inspirational for us and it's kind of heavily reflected in the game itself.
1: Yeah, because I was going to say, I, I've been to Krakow, and this wasn't the Krakow I remember. <laughs> Although I don't remember much, this is a crack of a I don't remember much because it was a stag do, Where seven oh. Scottish people just, um, came upon your good city. So to be fair, I don't remember much. It could have. I really don't
2: know. <laughs> I, I uh, have to say, actually, from what you said, the the, um, the propaganda posters everywhere in the game were very Soviet, but also cyberpunk in a way. Right.
4: But, yeah, that, like this, this is the click almost momentarily when we we're thinking about the games. So, you know, cyberpunk is all about mega corporations ruling the world. And, you know, when we are going back to the eighties in our country, like the, the Soviets were still here and, you know, their influence was, uh, was really strong. So, you know, the, the, the time in Poland was kind of, you know, filled with propaganda posters and that's just like it connected. So if you think about a corporation, for them to rule is not only, you know, economy and money, it's also brainwashing people in some way. And those propaganda posters were basically what connected both the vision of cyberpunk and also, you know, having a a kind of a a government that's controlling the people.
2: That's actually really cool. I I didn't think of it much at the time, but now that I can, like, now that you say that, it's like, yeah, that, that makes total sense. But, uh, so you know we're talking so much about you know the style of the game and whatever else you know like it's a, a complete love letter to the classic you know cyberpunk genre as you said you know Ridley Scott's Blade Runner but you know you even you even borrowed one of the main characters from Blade Runner the the actor uh, Rutger Hauer. Who voices your your main character? I don't know what it was like working with like such a big time you know movie legend like like Rutger. You know how did you guys how did you guys do it? Did he work remotely or did he come into Poland? You know what was that like?
4: Yeah, as I said, like um, Observer was supposed to be uh, kind of a homage to cyberpunk uh, you know culture as a whole, or uh, or maybe not culture but genre. Uh, so you know Rutger Hauer was. The most iconic, uh, actor playing in a cyberpunk movie ever. Right. And he also connected to that 80s trend that we are, we were going for. So what we did was actually reach, we reached out to him, you know, we told him that we, we are doing a cyberpunk game, you know, very really, uh, reminiscent of, of old, of the 80s Blade Runner. And he was like, yeah, sure. Let's, let's see what it is like. So, um, a few people from our company flew to Amsterdam. They've met Brad Gooder. They've told him a little more in more detail about the project and he was hyped for it. So really? He, he yes. Yes. He was really hyped for the project. He thought it was something interesting. So, uh, when, you know, the deal was done, he was, uh, all in for the project. Uh, we kind of <laughs> took him to, to Krakow for a week for, for him to, to record all of the, uh, you know, voiceovers for the game. So he actually flew by, spent a week with us. Uh, he was, you know, uh, in the offices, talking, talking to all of the team, telling stories. Uh, so it was a, a really, really good experience talking with him. He's a, a very cool guy, to be honest. Like he's a, a, a very free spirit. Uh, and he's very open for, you know, culture and definitely cyberpunk was, you know, something that he loved. Uh, probably from the moment he started in, in Blade Runner. Uh, um, right. I mean, he yeah, basically but, helped
2: give birth to the genre. He gave us that, the tears in rain line.
4: Yeah, that's the tears in lane line. Right? Yeah, yeah, that, that's the most famous. So we actually made him say that, I believe. Some, <laughs> that some... Of course you did. What's the point of having Rutger Hauer in your house if you don't make him say that?
2: <laughs>
4: but yeah, like he's not the only actor in the game. So no, no, no. Probably, probably, you know, um, the Western world doesn't know the actor, but actually we took one of the, um, most prominent Polish actors, um, who's named Arkadiusz Jakubi, and uh to start in the game as well and you know that's what we were doing with observer from the very beginning so we are mixing polish culture with you know this very global um cyberpunk culture to give something of our own into the genre so it was also a way to you know have a have a polish uh actor in the game and he was super hyped for it as well and what he did like uh, acting wise was really, really awesome. And yeah, he looked pretty hyped for the game as well. So it, it really turned out really, really great. Like having those two really good actors, one from Poland, one, one from, well, basically, uh, you know, being a one fit in Europe and the other yeah. in the US. Um, so it was, you know, a, a full-fledged mix for us, which we think was you know a very very awesome uh it had a very awesome ending, so
2: yeah, really, really I thought the the voice acting was great, which character did the Polish guy play just out of curiosity? He was Janus um you know oh, the, uh, the, the 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 superintendent janitor. the janitor yes. yes. That's, that's cool. I, I had no idea that that he was such a famous actor. That's that's really cool.
4: Yeah, he's mostly famous in Poland and probably a little bit in the Czech Republic. Uh, he played a few movies, I think, that uh, some of them received uh, some awards in uh, in European film contests. Um, so, yeah, he's maybe not, you know, Rutger Hauer type of a star, but he definitely, you know, has... Everything to, to, you know, to be as good as an actor as Rutger is.
1: You now, there's one thing about this game that I just found was truly amazing. The game probably conveys what it's like to have a nightmare better than anything that has came before it. How on earth did you guys go about designing? Those sequences. I can't pretend to understand just how you came up with some of it.
4: Like, uh, most, as I said before, like most of the people in the company are huge horror fans. So, you know, they've been going through books, comic books, movies, uh, TV series, everything connected, you know, to, to horror. And, you know, the imagery really stacks with you. And, yeah. you know, if you don't if you delve into horror all that much, you kind of start to take interest in, you know, psychological aspects of horror. You start to think about things like, I don't know, lucid dreaming or whatnot. So you, you get all those, you know, very trippy ideas in your head and, uh, you know, you have all those references in your head. So when it comes to designing everything, um, it's kind of you know you you take a lot from you've learned from all that you know works of culture and you just mix it with for with your idea of what would feel scary for you or what you feel will be very cool for the player to see and we kind of fiddle with it so you know we have we have like basic ideas for for a level or we have a, a basic idea for the antagonist or the protagonist and we go with the pros and cons. We, what we do is want to, you know, have, uh, apart from, you know, being a horror, um, we want our projects to be kind of very down to earth. Um, so observer, like the tenants living in the building and basically the, the Baxter we have the game, like they are all, you know, flesh and bones people that you would think you could meet in a tenement building even right now. If you go, you know, knocking on the neighbor's doors. Uh... You know? Not, not quite sure
2: what kind of tenant building you live in, Rafael. <laughs> That's not
0: quite what it's like.
2: <laughs> no, it's, it's like that in Glasgow. Uh,
1: oh.
4: yeah. <laughs> As I said, all tenement buildings, some district, you know, there, there's a lot of weird people living in the world. So we kind of, obviously, we kind of pumped it up to, to a better effect, but you know, their problems are, are pretty real uh mm-hmm. in the in the modern world right now so you know it's it, it as i said it's all very down to earth and you know it's all very symbolic and psychological in nature so um you know if you start thinking about those people and why they behave in this way like what shaped them uh you know the the backstory we have so so the age, which is a uh a, a digital and biological disease at once so people who were augmented and had, you know, um, cybernetic arms or sub, cybernetic implants, uh, overall, uh, then, you know, they kind of got infected and there was no cure. So only, uh, very radical surgeries. So, you know, cutting off hands, limbs, like whatever was, uh, infected was basically the only way to save those people. So it's a it's a threat that's still present 2084 in the game when where we set the game and um it, it kind of shaped the people. So, you know, they they're kind of scared of the of the past and, you know, scared of technology in some way. But on the other hand, they are kind of hooked to it. They cannot live with, without it. So it's a part of their lives. So if you start delving into all those stories, into into what shape those people, you kind of get this very dark and and really vision of uh, you know where humanity can can be at one point uh, of uh, of our lives, right? Yeah,
2: they're very paranoid. That's the word I would
4: use. <laughs> yeah, just slightly.
0: I need I need one of those uh, video door intercom pieces uh, with like a big so- eye. With a big eye, yes, <laughs> yes, what do you want <laughs> <laughs> uh, i i was I was gonna ask um were there any big lessons that you guys learned from layers of fear that helped with the observer
4: like uh one crucial thing uh, I think the the most crucial thing is that actually people enjoyed games that are you know not one hundred percent focused on action, so mm-hmm. it, they can enjoy games that, uh, you know, are, are more, um, psychological in nature, basically, or at least, you know, being, uh, more focused on the experience, uh, that you can, uh, see in the game or you can witness in the game, basically, uh, you can experience the experience, right? Um, right. so, so that's, the, that's the lesson. Like we felt we, we find a, a perfect spot for us and we know people enjoy these kind of games and there's a there's a fan base ready, you know, to delve into those kind of stories and those stories are, are the ones that we want to make. But you know, being you know uh going more uh down to earth uh kind of uh the answer for your questions we we kind of learned a lot about uh how to scare the players, like what they are really afraid of, um how to present it, probably you know, a lot of uh, technical details like how to be levels. So people kind of felt, you know, being observed or being, you know, hunted by something and being chased by something without any, you know, visible enemy anywhere near. So creating this very dark and gritty an- atmosphere overall. Um, so I think, you know, our experiences with layers of fear and, you know, talking with the community. Even to this day, about layers of fear, um, kind of give us uh, gives us insight into uh, into all of that things. Like we're still getting feedback on both layers of fear right now on Observer. Um, so we're talking to people, and you know, it's a it's an ongoing experience for us as well. Um, and working with the community is a it's a very you know, passionate fear- thing for us. Something that we do really enjoy because you know all of those people have different ideas. So things that uh, we felt, you know, kind of needed maybe something at, at some point. Like the, the community said, you know, it's it's really good, it's great. But I'm referring mostly to layers of fear because in early access, you know, we had the time to actually talk with the people while the production was going on. Observer was, you know, more regular regular productions. So only on, you know, focus tests or whatnot, we could talk to people about that. Uh, but yeah, like uh, everyone, you know, had their opinions. And if they were followed by arguments, then it was basically everything we needed because everyone had a, a different experience with the game. And that's also what we wanted to make, like to make our games very, um, very private for everyone. So like they feel that that it was their experience and, you know, you and I uh might have had you know different experiences from the game different thoughts about playing the game and the different situations in the game um and yeah yeah like working with community was basically the the most important thing for us with players of fear and having all that knowledge uh, with the production and after the production gave us you know a very huge insight in what people you know kind of want and how people react to all those kind of scare tactics, but also the atmosphere building and whatnot. So, yeah, layers of fear taught us a lot.
2: Great. Uh, so speaking of layers of fear, just before we move on, uh, uh, I, I'm sorry to do this, Ross Clay. This is you're gonna have to give me this one. I'm sorry, but my my uh, my girlfriend actually put me up to this. Uh, we we found the little the little Easter egg. Uh in observer a little nod to layers of fear the the kitty with the wheels uh oh, yeah we, we we love him uh, is did the, mr uh, is willer a, is <laughs> does he have a name
4: yes it's mr willer
2: mr willer that, that's that's where, where can we buy figurines clay can you can you 3d print me one <laughs> I, can <do> that. <laughs> I can get uh, on that
0: i'll, I'll start that sorry, this, th- <laughs> th- this is
2: just this is just between fans of layers of fear and 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 us i'm sorry but <laughs> he's he's great
4: thanks like uh it was supposed to be you know kind of uh, uh, a good memory between you know all those very weird and creepy things that were happening in layers of fear you know uh, like uh, a spot of you know light in the darkness so it's really great that you like him.
2: <laughs> yeah. It was it was good to see him again an observer because you know it was just like, oh an old friend, oh thank god, I need something good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now I do have a pretty abstract question for you, but we haven't ever really had a horror game developer on here before. So you've touched a little bit earlier about the process of creating fear. Just how do you go about measuring and creating something which is truly terrifying, but still making it fun? Like, how do you know when something becomes too stressful?
4: Like, I would say it's, uh like, it will sound probably way too easy, but uh it's something that f- first and foremost you have in your gut, like you have a gut feeling of what you feel will be right or won't be right. So you kind of do uh, an event in the game or a level in the game that you feel will be right. And then, you know, it's just, uh, uh, just a try and error kind of, you know, a way of going around it. So, uh, each time we you know we de- develop a level, we look at it, we see how it works. We see how it works on its own. We see how it works and combines with, with the, with the other parts of the game uh it's not like it's not that you know we have an idea then we do it and it works like um it's it's rarely like that it, it just you know needs a constant polishing from both level designers art directors uh basically art director because <laughs> we have one um <laughs> Uh but yeah, like um, uh, it's a try and error kind of a thing, um, but you know for people who have been you know um basically swallowing up everything horror for a while, you kind of get this idea of what will or won't work um, uh, and there is you know the the time for polishing everything and you know making it all come together. there's no you know uh one. Golden rule to make everything work. Uh, but you know, they're simple, often simple tricks, like, you know, not simple, simple, uh, as in concept, uh, but you know, very hard to, to create, to be honest. So you know using proper audio cues or using silence, uh, to scare the player also using light and shadows and proper lighting, proper colors, even like it, everything kind of, you know, goes into the atmosphere of the moment of the game and the whole game itself. So it, it's just a, you know, uh, kind of, as I said, trial and error, but based everything on a, on a, you know, very basic idea for people to understand that from the people that understand horror, um, to just make it happen, right? So I've got a, a, a fun question
0: for you. So last week on this very podcast, we were all talking about playing the observer and how much we were enjoying it. There is one small mini game. The, what's it with fire and sword? And sword. Yes. The spider mini game that at least me personally i'm slightly obsessed with <laughs> I, I mean what what inspired that i mean how did you guys come up with that what what inspired that that mini game that's that's built into this into this larger game
4: yeah like we wanted to have something interactive in the in the computers uh that you have to go through from time to time uh and also you know it's a it's a kind of realistic for people to have small games um, when you know PCs were uh, in the 80s, probably, or even for you guys a, a little bit earlier, or maybe a little bit later, I, I don't really know. However, you know the first PCs that you've encountered as kids, for a lot of people, they were you know PCs in schools, uh, or you know PCs at someone places, where someone else's places, like like a friend or a or or an uncle or whatnot and you know they always had like this very uh simple basic game on their on their pc beat one game like you know pc was for work for a for a lot of those people um and the games were in, in the 80s and 90s you know very down to earth 8-bit or even you know uh even um e- easier or uh, at least worse looking Um And it was a, first of all, kind of wink to those times that, you know, you had everyone play this one game because there were basically, you had no access to other games at the time. Uh, but the naming itself is, uh, it's a reference to a very, very important, uh, book. Um, you know, a a school lecture that's, uh, called with, uh, with fire and sword, which translates into Polish, uh, to ogniem i mieczem. And, you know, it's one of the the most important books in Polish literature, so uh, we took that concept and kind of made a wink to people uh, in Poland with that. So, yeah. I have to say, you you telling me this game is simple, I'm just sitting here shaking
2: my head saying, nah, man, like, this game is hard. <laughs> <laughs> but, but my girlfriend and I spent like 20 minutes trying to puzzle out some of those higher levels.
1: <laughs> I still have 100% record in that game, so I disagree.
2: <laughs> oh, Mr. Fancy Pants over here. <laughs> what level are you up to? The first one. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> ah, I, I'm going to take the next question now because R- Ross is just full of it. This is probably the last serious question we're going to ask you, and uh, I just want to bring up something that you, you touched on before when you were talking about you know how to scare people, and that's sound. And, you know, one of the coolest thing about the games other than its, you know, spectacular art direction is, is, is the sound. And I want to know a little bit about the, your sound departments. Like it must be a, a pretty fun job, right? Like what, what goes into making all those really freaky sounds? How do you decide what it sounds like when the walls start to melt?
4: <laughs> I would say, um, in like if you have the scene and you start thinking about, uh, a perfect, audio for that is mostly you have a, first and foremost, you have a very basic sound and um, then you start, you know, mixing it a little bit, then you start adding other audio cues to it, mixing them together, and until you find a, a perfect sound that matches uh, that, con- the, the, that concrete sound. So um, it's mostly about, uh, you know, you mixing and reusing sounds and you know finding a very specific sound for it something that you will feel uh familiar with but also that sounds a little bit different from real life which kind of in itself creeps you out it's like um uh, if you think about you know visual um side of horror so the most terrifying monsters in horror are basically those that uh know resemble humans in you know 96 percent, but those four percent changes you know the, the, the 4% that the uh, four percent that are not realistic in some way uh, is what creeps you out so because you are very familiar and what you see is not fully familiar so it makes you uncomfortable and the same kind of goes with audio design um, so every time you design something that needs to you know sound regular like opening a door or whatnot that's cool you use you know sounds that are real real life real world sounds that you would normally hear when opening a creaking door but with observer like we could have uh, a little bit fun with all of that so you know we have this futuristic world a uh, very dystopian world where you know crt tvs are connected to this very high tech uh you know holographic imagery for instance. So doing sounds for that were you know mostly thinking about uh how this sounds right now, how similar, you know, tag sounded in the eighties, like CRT TVs, and how we can, you know, update it in a sort uh you know to to a hundred years into the future, into twenty eighty four. So it's all about mixing, it's all about, you know, feeling the mood of the of the scene that we want to make. And I'm gonna tell you it like it's not an easy job. It's seriously it's not. It it's a very meticulous job and the guys working in our audio department literally did a fantastic job on, on creating everything in the game. Now
1: one question that I think is in everyone's lips right now after the press reaction that you've had, critical and also all the fan reaction to your latest game. What is next for Buddha? Uh,
4: that's a question that I won't be able to answer obviously <laughs> well, not not literally what's next However, But you know, you, are you guys are
2: gonna start working on your next project, or
4: we actually already started working on our next project, oh. <laughs> but yeah, like uh we always have tons of ideas in our heads, and we try to work on more than one project at the same time. So it's not that, you know, we throw 40 people at one project at the same time and we do it for the full production time. It's mostly, you know, we have, you know, very small teams and smaller teams working on different projects. Or we have, you know, we are doing a lot of R&D, thinking about ideas, thinking about concepts. So, yeah, the, the next games are definitely in the making and um they will also be psychological horror games. So... You can expect, you know, even better games than Observers.
1: Ooh. Now, well, there's one final question that we ask all of our guests, and you are not going to get off lightly.
3: Oh, so, no.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's not about cats on wheels, I can assure you of that. But <laughs> what I want to know, what the listeners of Party Chat Podcast and Reddit users want to know... Is which classic video game character could you knock out with one punch?
2: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I I always love the silence after you ask that <laughs> while I try and digest. Like did did he just say that? No, Do no, I have to answer no. that?
4: No, I, I all like once you said it, I already had an answer, but it will be an, an unpopular one. <laughs>
2: oh, oh this is gonna be good. Let's hear it.
4: Okay, so that would probably be Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> wow.
2: <laughs> Crash.
1: Nice. nice.
2: Bam. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> that's, that's different. Can you, can you explain why? You just, like, <laughs> him.
4: And like, uh, you know, he's this, uh, you know, goofy guy spinning around with his fists open, like, uh, you, when you see these comedy action movies, you often see these, you know, very uh kung fu looking guy who's doing all those, you know, moves. He looks like he's a full pro, and then comes, you know, an uh, American soldier, and he just one punches him to, to you know, to to oblivion. <laughs> so that's basically what I think about benny good swinging his arms all around, you know, constantly. It's just like one dude would come out and, you know, punch him in the face and, like, that's done. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well,
2: it, it's good to know that you put some thought into this, I have to say. I'm very impressed. But, uh, Rafael, that's all the time that we have for you today. Uh, so thank you so much for for coming to join us. It's been a real pleasure to have you on here. Basically, uh congratulations with the launch. We wish you all the best on your future titles. Uh, and we we look forward to maybe even having you on for... For one of those.
4: Sure. Uh, I will be delighted to come back.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, thanks a lot and see you later. Bye-bye.
4: Thank you. Thank you, guys.
2: Bye-bye. So thanks, Rafal, for joining us. That was a great interview, wasn't it, guys? Where, where did it's you so go? Can I just outside.
3: Just disappeared in the shadows.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: too bad playing Destiny. No, but we, we actually have a copy of this game to give away. Come to our Twitter page at party chat pod if you want to win a copy of this game. But anyway, guys, one final topic and it is a biggie, as we like to say. Microsoft have supposedly confirmed that they're in talks with Sony about crossplay. It's a topic that we have. Touched upon before, but I want to know your current thoughts. And I'm going to start with you, Clay. Are we going to be able to play with our Sony friends soon?
0: Mm, probably not. And I'd honestly be more interested in Switch crossplay with Rocket League and Xbox One, if I'm to be honest. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, like, I'm obviously interested in crossplay with Rocket League. That is the one game I would want crossplay. With my PS4 friends, Karina, you were not—I don't think you've talked about this before. So I'm interested in your, your thoughts. Do you think we're going to see crossplay?
3: Uh, not soon, but I really do hope it happens. Um, I, just because I have a lot of friends who uh, main on PlayStation, uh, especially when I'm just going to keep talking about Destiny. Uh, I, have a lot of <laughs> play, I have a lot of PlayStation clans that I've like that have been like, "Oh, come join us!" And then they find out I'm an Xbox, and it's like, oh.
2: Uh, uh, you're one of those people I'm
3: one of them uh, but yeah no, I, I really I've always been up for cross play I always think it's a brilliant idea I just wish Sony would hurry up and be like yeah go on guys let's do it but I don't think it'll be anytime soon just yet uh, but I do like the idea with the Switch as well I mean I don't own a Switch just yet but the like you say Rocket League Minecraft it's brilliant ideas for cross play uh, Overwatch I'd like to see Overwatch in cross play as well I mean Find that'd be the nice true players are yeah, exactly. That'd be interesting. I mean, the I... thing is, a lot of people do use a controller, even though they're on PC, so it's like, why don't you just cross-play it anyway?
2: Mm-kay. And you can also use mouse and keyboard on Xbox or PS4. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, What would be the benefit for Sony in opening this up, though? I feel as if, as if we're always going to win, and of course the, the players in PS4 would win with this, but what is the benefit for Sony opening this up other than their Given what the fans want, goodwill, given what the fans want,
2: given what the fans want <laughs> like you know, like people people would would buy more Sony stuff if Sony was a good company, you know, I mean it doesn't really apply to Nestle or something like that, I suppose, but
1: <laughs> like i I just I don't think there's any commercial benefit for Sony in doing this, and let's face it, they like the money, oh yeah so. I genuinely don't think we're ever gonna see it. I, I,
2: I want to cross. be proved
1: I want to be proved wrong. Like I really want to be proved wrong. But for me this is a PR PR exercise where Microsoft want to be seen as the good guys who are approaching other companies about working out some kind of deal for crossplay and the only thing that it's doing is making the competition not look as good. And that is what it is in my mind. It's simply a PR exercise. I hope I am wrong about that. I really, really do. But I just don't think it's ever going to happen.
2: So I'll be honest with you. I think anyone with with two brain cells to you know smash together knows this. You know, corporations only care about the money. You know, Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo. You know, it's all it's all about the bottom line, really. You know, the corporations will follow the money. So if the comp like the customers refused to buy products that were not crossplay, then suddenly products would become crossplay. But at the moment people don't really care. Because if 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 Sony's making boatloads of cash without it, they're not really at risk of losing any money if they do or don't.
1: Well, anyway, I think
2: this would be
1: a good point to end this week's podcast. But thank you all for joining us and for another week. Xbox. Thumbnail.
3: you're listening to xbox one party chat podcast the official podcast of the xbox one subreddit
1: let's do
2: this
0: oh very good oh, yeah. wait i thought it was i thought it was called the observer by no. the way no no it's observer just observer What's, yeah, the little, the what's the little what's the little thing?
2: From, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's
0: more than. Actually
2: that's the greater than symbol. So it's it's greater than observer underscore. Really? Yeah.
0: Hold on, I gotta look that up real Everything's
2: no, it <laughs> greater that than. Is it really just the observer?
0: Even, do you even ninth grade mathematics? No, I, I do realize that. I thought it was called the observer. Is it not called the observer?
1: <laughs> no, no, it's just observer.
2: Just
0: <laughs> just observes, oh, it's just observer. observer. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> There's another ten-year reference. Do people still say my bad? <laughs> I should have really informed you of this before we did the interview. Yeah. I know, and I'm pretty sure I said the Observer three or four times during that interview. <laughs> I'm slightly red in the face, by the way, for anybody that can't. <laughs> you know what I'm really interested in is crossplay of Uncharted.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: when's so, so the uh, Uncharted port, guys? Uh, sorry, I'll... exactly.
2: But uh, <laughs> Ross, Ross, play on Switch. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, wait. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I gotta
3: keep
2: playing. What is that? Is, is that the Uncharted theme <laughs> <laughs> that was? <laughs> My horrible. Are you? Are you, I you were sure? having a stroke? And... <laughs> yeah, are you sure, Clayton? <laughs> it's all about the bottom line, really. You know. And and this is a capitalist market, so they respond to the...
0: It literally took me, like, two minutes to pull that up on my phone. (laughs) Worth it. I was like, all right, let me pull this up real quick. Two minutes later. (laughs) Can everyone
2: move on from that last little thing that we just did there? No, no, I'm not finished. What I was saying was, basically, sorry, I just, I got totally thrown off my train of thought. (laughs) (laughs) impromptu uh, soundbite.